Welcome to the World of Speakers podcast brought to you by Speaker Hub. In this special series, we interview speaking experts on how to navigate the coronavirus as a professional speaker. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. Ahoy, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the World of Speakers. I'm your host, Ryan Foland, and today I'm going to introduce you to Eric Sim. Now, Eric not only has 2 million followers on LinkedIn, He's also a former managing director at UBS Investments Bank and a CFA charter holder. He's a founder of Institute of Life, whose mission is to help professionals become successful at work and in life. He has taught at some of the top universities in Asia, including the National University of Singapore. Eric, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Thank you, Ryan, for having me. Now, before we get into understanding your expertise when it comes to speaking in the digital world, making this transition during a pandemic, and actually creating an experience that's better than things were pre-pandemic, I want our audience, and selfishly myself, just to get to know you a little bit more. And we're going to do that through a single story. Let's say that I'm talking to a friend later on today, and they're like, Ryan, what's going on today? I'm like, oh my gosh, I had this super fun conversation with this guy from Singapore. And they're like, whoa, tell me about him. And then instead of listing off your 2 million followers and your accolades and all the acronyms, I would say, you know what? Funny story he actually told me. He told me this one time, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so based on that story, I'll be able to communicate who you are. So like, what would be a story that you think could do that job? In Singapore, we have our lockdown several months ago. It's not called lockdown. It's called circuit breaker. Circuit breaker, really? Yeah, it's called circuit breaker. <laughs> Shops are closed, no more dining in, stuff like that. Then I have several speaking engagement coming up. And I think those speaking engagement may become online or some people might just want to hire me to do online. So on the very last day before the circuit breaker, where the shops are still open, I went out starting from morning, maybe around 10 a.m. to look for equipment. (laughs) So I bought two cameras, three different types of microphones. I made sure I got my (laughs) iPad Pro with pencil. I ordered my Atem Mini, you know, which was out of stock at that time. So you went on a circuit breaker shopping spree? Yes, without knowing how to use any of this (laughs) gadget. And the amount of money I spent, probably I wouldn't even be able to break even with three, four engagement because I thought if I need them, then there's no way to get them. So even if you're short of one main light or one fuel light. Have you always been a compulsive buyer? Like when you think you need something, do you just go get it? Is that part of your personality? No, actually I am those that will think and think and think. I wanted a guarantee that if I want the equipments I have, because the lockdown could go on for for who knows how many months. And uh, at the end, it was for two months. So during that two months, I was able to do some good online speech. So fortunately, so although I didn't use all the equipment, but it's good to err on buying more than less. Yeah. Well, I can't wait when the circuit breaker's done and then you hold a garage sale and then I come over to Singapore and I grab up all the tech stuff that you figured that you didn't want. So I'm learning more about you. You're somebody who likes to be prepared. You like to 
err on the side of caution and on the side of caution during a pandemic is buying way more technical equipment than you need and then you'll just sort of figure it out later. But we also know that you're a managing partner at UBS. You're this chartered financial analyst. So there's like a finance and an analytical part of your brain that like you can't get away from. So I'm curious the topics that you speak on, because I have some guesses in my mind, but what do you love to talk about? What is your domain of speaking expertise? So far, I speak on two topics. One is career skills. The other one is personal branding. So I do that for various organizations, could be financial institution, could be for CFA or university students from undergrad to EMBA. Then for career skills, some people want to know banking and finance. But I mostly talk about the soft skills, the people skills, the networking, and also how do we plan our career? How do you deal with difficult bosses? How do you deal with toxic colleagues? And what are the small actions that you can take to create a big success in your career? If there's one thing that I think we are all facing is that with these external challenges in the world... We really have to look at the people who are investing our time with from a relationship standpoint, because I just feel like we have less time to deal with BS and less time to deal with drama, Yeah, less time to deal with people who bring you down. So Definitely, because I think people are already down. Some are losing their jobs, some are worrying about the future, and the last thing they need is a boss breathing down your neck or a partner that you cannot trust. Yeah. You don't have to get into details, but either a true or false. Has every business partner you've worked with and every boss been amazing, personable, and your best friend? Count yourself lucky if you have one or two good bosses and (laughs) partners wise, really just one or two that you can count on. I'm skeptical. And of course, investment banking, it's a very cutthroat business. Yeah. And it makes me think we're talking and we're going to dig in today about digital tools. We're going to talk about the transition as a speaker, as things start to hopefully open up a bit more. But if you imagine the new way that we're all communicating, it's digitally, whether we have the new camera or the microphone, or we're just using what we have, the relationships that we have, not just as a speaker to an audience, but the relationships between coworkers, between colleagues, between your boss, between your family, between your loved ones, like we're really looking at a fundamental shift of how we just interact as humans. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's a good thing, a bad thing, a good and bad? For me, this circuit breaker or lockdown doesn't affect me as much because I live in the digital world very much because I'm on LinkedIn talking to my friends, family and followers. And once in a while, if I don't see them, I'll just drop them a message every six months. Hey, I just uh, dropping a note to stay in touch. One, of course, to get them to come and read my articles. The other one is a good way to, to stay in touch. And then they also see my posts every week. So somehow we can jump back in right away when we meet. So I just met up with a friend from City. I haven't met him for 11 years. And when we met, we just pick up from two weeks ago. Hey, I read your article. What do you think about that? So it doesn't really feel like we haven't met for that long. But try to add value. I think that's what I try to do. And people will say, hey, I like your video. I like the gadget that you introduced. Can you tell me more? And that foster relationship because 
they can derive value by connecting with you. They derive value by connecting with you. I think I've gotten to know you a little bit more. And value, I think, is a big part of your brand. And the reason why you went out and panic bought a whole bunch of equipment is because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, the best way I can deliver value to people I connect with is to give them a crisp experience, to give them a nice audio experience, to give them something visually that they can look at. So that's a very altruistic and a very empathetic and a very non-selfish way to look at adding value. So if I were to now describe you to my friend and be like, oh my gosh, he's the guy that the day before the pandemic, he went and bought everything possible. Why? Not for himself, not for his ego, but so that what he's communicating does so at a higher value. And I think that's really cool. What I wanted to do is if people bother to come and listen to me, whether is it 10 people or 100 or 1,000, I should make sure that they have the best experience because they are coming, they're going to spend one hour with me. So I want to make sure the audio is good. The visual is superb, you know, better than what they see. So they don't suffer from Zoom fatigue. That was my whole thinking. And it makes sense. And I'm seeing that. The idea that you want to have the way in which you're communicating at the highest value only leads to what you're saying as being potential for high value. Now, we all can't be like completely giving the most amazing value all of the time. It's just almost impossible. But the fact that that's what you're striving for, right? You shoot for the stars, you might hit the moon kind of concept. That's a really, it's a really valuable way to look at driving value in a digital world. Yeah. And you know what, Ryan is beginning to pay off because when organizer, right? When you want to invite speakers, they saw my version, they saw my video and that set the benchmark. So end up, I got so many people coming to invite me to speak and they say, hey, how you got to know about me? They say, hey, somebody talk about you. Why? You know, sometimes they mention, hey, interesting camera setup. Yeah. And it gives you that digital first impression. And I think that that's super important, especially when the organizers, they only want to deliver value to the audience. And if you come with a high value setup, it sets you up for high value to the audience. Now let's jump into gadgets because I don't want to sit here and talk about stats of the camera and get in too technical, but let's talk gadgets. What are some of the things that uh, speakers who want to continue to gain traction in a digital first world, let's geek out a little bit on digital. Sure. Of course, microphone is very key. I've tried the lavalier, which I think speakers are familiar, I tried shotgun. Then end up, I chose the USB mic because it's a big mic. It has got a big diaphragm. It doesn't pick up the noise because a lot of time we are speaking from home and then there's aircon noise, there's bird chipping, you know, somebody closing the door. If you get some other mic, which picks up the slightest noise, it's not good for your audience. That's why I chose this USB mic. For camera, I use a Sony mirrorless camera, which costs more than my laptop. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And also, I use my iPad Pro with a pencil. So when I write on my slides, the audience can see. So when you say write on your slides, I'm interested for a second because part of my brand, part of what I love to do is draw stick figures. All of my keynotes are hand-drawn stick figures. 
and I have the iPad Pro, the newest one. And through Zoom, you can share a screen with a screen mirroring so that you can have that. And then it's way easier than the whiteboard with the mouse because the mouse you're drawing around, you look like you're in third grade. Yeah. Now tell me about some of the types of speaking that you're doing and how this digital translates. Because I know that you're teaching classes, you're probably speaking from home. Do you carry a whole camera case with you everywhere or do you have different setups? So far is been speaking from home, exactly what you're seeing right now. So I converted part of my room into this case with a book case behind. And yeah, so far it's been like that. I don't have to carry my stuff around. But I think next month, I may need to go down to the university because university are doing hybrid. Mm. Instead of having 100 students in the classroom, they say, okay, only 20% of the students can come into class. The other 80%, the other 80 students, you will do via Zoom. Rather than 100% Zoom, which means if you do 100% Zoom, students don't have that. The classroom experience, right? The connectivity. That- yeah, the classmate and with the lecturer. So everybody have 20% of their time. If that's the case, I need to check the school equipment. If the school equipment is not as good as mine, then I guess I'll have to bring mine. Mine is pretty portable. I think I can just put it into one uh, small suitcase, including my main light. <laughs> yeah, because it's one thing about being a professor in a digital world. It's another thing to be like a high value output. It's garbage in, garbage out. And if I can hardly see you, if I can hardly hear you, I'm going to lose that interaction. It's not going to be there. Yeah. And also when I do webinar for those speakers who are also providing training, the way I do it for a two hour, it goes like this. The first five minutes, I got somebody to introduce me. So I don't introduce myself. Okay. Either my student, my teaching assistant or the organizer introduce me. They ask me a few questions. Why do I want to do that? Because people don't come on time to Zoom. Oh. If, for example, you start at 9, then either you wait until 9.05 before you start. Don't those people who come in early on time, they wait for five minutes and nothing's happening. Right. So I say that this five minutes is an interview like what you are doing now with me. So for those people who are late, they miss the five minutes of interview, but they still get a full presentation. Then I make sure I have a 10-minute break at the half point. If I start at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., will be the break. Then two minutes before I start, I go on Zoom and announce it, starting in two minutes time. Because usually they're on their audio. They are, they are not there at their seat, but they can still hear. So then we gather people to come back. Five minutes, I think it feels too rushed, you know. Some people have to rush back and then you have to wait again. So I say, yeah, just 10 minutes is better so that they can focus. And I usually bring in a guest speaker. I'm already the guest speaker for two hours. So I bring another guest speaker sometimes too to talk for like five, 10 minutes after the break. Because people get fatigued if they keep listening to the same voice. I like that. No matter how good you are. So I get somebody, different perspective. I go as many as three people. I did a panel for like 15 minutes after the break. Then I have a breakout room before the break, maybe at around 40 minutes point to get people to know each other. Because what they are missing, right, from going to a real-life conference or classroom is the interaction. I try to find a reason for them to come together. Four people coming together, so depending on your culture. So sometimes I, like, I say, introduce your favorite food. 
instead of talking about your credential, just talk about your favorite food or talk about if you're a speaker, you know, what's the best story or what's the gadget that you like best. So let's talk just for a second about breakout rooms, because I think there is a lot of value in understanding best practices around it. You put people into a group of four. Is that the typical size? Yeah, four for five minutes. Four for five minutes. And then you give them certain prompts to follow? You must have prompts, so you cannot leave it to them. You leave it to them, then it's not enough. So I say, for example, in the school environment, introduce your favorite food. Why do you want to come to Singapore? And why do you want to do this course? Something like that. But I give them something that they really like to talk about. Or if you want them to really put up, right? I say talk about one thing that you like to do best or one thing that you do that gives you a lot of energy. Interesting. You want to know something that I use, which you're welcome to use. Have you ever heard of the game called Rose and Thorns? No. So I don't know where I initially learned about this, but I was on either a camping trip or sailing or doing something. And somebody said, hey, you know, the trip's winding down. Let's play Roses and Thorns. I was like, what are you talking about? The idea is everyone shares the rose, their favorite moment of the trip, and everybody Mm -hmm. shares their thorn, the thing that just didn't go right or when they stubbed their toe or when they fell down or something like that. And so in a breakout room, I find that it's a fun way of getting people to share something that's good, but also something that's bad or something they struggle with. I'm a big believer and my book called Ditch the Act is about how we really connect in seeing each other's stories and ourselves. Like if you tell me about how amazing a rock star successful you are, like maybe I don't relate to that as much. I'd admire you for it. Yeah. But when you tell me that you have a struggle of figuring out how to focus your camera, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's just like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a very good way to have the breakout room. What's the name of your book again? Called Ditch the Act. Fantastic. I'm going to buy one. Yeah, check it out for sure. So when I bring them back into the main room, I have all of the groups ahead of time for the Rose and Thorn experiment. They all share Rose and Thorn. They choose a leader in the group. And then they have to, as a group, decide the best rose and the best thorn to then share with their group. So then when we come back, it's like, okay, uh, group number one, who's your representative? Oh, all right. What's your rose and thorn? And they'll explain the rose and the thorn. And the final thing I make it a little more difficult, I say there's no repeats. So if somebody says, oh, my favorite part about this is, you know, the color of it. And the next group is like, damn, that's what we said. They have to think on the spot and go to like level two from the group. That's pretty interesting. If it's not too big a group, then I think... Well, I think something like four is a magic number. Otherwise, it gets out of control. Yeah, four, I think also on the Zoom screen looks quite nice. Sometimes five, it looks a bit weird. Do you ever do breakout rooms with just two people? So far, I haven't because I don't really teach two technical stuff these days. But if I do, maybe sometimes it's uh, good for role play. Okay, yeah, yeah. Have you heard of a speaker? He's from Australia. Uh, his name is Vin Gang. He's a magician. He's got like bleach blonde hair. He's kind of a, an eccentric showman. So I went to one of his workshops and he kept breaking us out into these one-on-one groups or like one-on-one breakouts. But he would have these activities and exercises with a short, like a three-minute breakout where each person has to do something and then you're back in the group and then you're back in the breakout. And for me, as somebody who was attending it, it created that, like, I feel like I met five or six people 
like I would have at a live event. Yeah. So very important to have breakout rooms. So far, I'm experimenting. So the five-minute four-person for introduction is good. Later on, when I'm teaching networking skills, selling skills, I will have one more where I get people to do role play. Perfect. Now, have you personally been attending digital events? Are you attending conferences that are digital as an attendee to understand more of that experience? Before the circuit breaker, (laughs) I did one more thing. (laughs) So back in March, I know that I cannot travel anymore for quite a few months. I signed up for a positive psychology course, Hmm. which is a graduate diploma that will last six months. And I got to take five modules. I'm on Zoom every week and sometimes uh, two full days, Saturday and Sunday. So I know having Zoom call or Zoom teaching full day doesn't work. You felt like you know something, but after one or two days, you completely forgot what you have learned. So that was fantastic for me. And so I'm stealing a lot of ideas from the various instructors. And stealing in the best way possible, because when you steal in a way that builds upon, innovates, and and leverages best practices, we're all really together trying to test out what works and doesn't. And I would have guessed that if you're somebody who really wants to share value, that you're also making sure you see the other side of the fence and experiencing Zoom fatigue for yourself so that you can really empathize. Do you know why my break is 10 minutes? No. Because I experienced five minutes break and it doesn't work. (laughs) That's why I'm so insistent on 10 minutes break. (laughs) That's a great takeaway for people who are listening because these days you can't just be a speaker. You have to consume digital content and listen to speakers. I encourage speakers to attend workshops and see what other people are doing because on the stage, you could have your own deal, your own uniqueness. And when you're at an event, inherently, you sit in on different sessions and you see what people are doing. But it's easier in a digital world to just be like, oh, I'm just going to present. Oh, I don't want to attend. Yeah. When I sign up for the six months course, which will finish this coming weekend, it helps me a lot conducting my lectures and my speech over Zoom. So I know you need variety. So why do I have a guest speaker? for 10 minutes to break the monotonous voice. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. I like this idea of audience-centric thinking, and I want to transition for a minute from the gadgety and the technical of the delivery to the business of speaking and how things have fundamentally changed. One thing that you had mentioned prior to us hitting the live button was the difference in attracting an audience now versus pre-pandemic. Tell me what the fundamental difference is as a speaker prior to March and now. What is happening? How do you drive value to the organizers in this type of world? Yeah, before the pandemic where we can have big conferences when you are keynote speaker, the organizer will attract audience by using fantastic five-star hotel, good food, lined up, maybe a few other speakers, or sometimes you are not a keynote. So the keynote speaker attract the audience and you are one of the side speaker, but that no longer work. Yeah. Now the organizer are using the speaker to attract. So the, the tides have been changed. 
the teeter-totter has now changed. Yeah. So previously, you may not be a known speaker, but you know that topic. You know that if you go there, there will be a few hundred people listening to you, whether they know you or not. Right. They're there. But they already paid the ticket. They listen to the keynote speaker they, at the beginning and then they listen to one ending speaker at the end. You are the one in between. No matter who you are, you get audience. But now, if you cannot attract crowd, the organizer may not want you. No matter how good you are with your topic. Because of Zoom fatigue, then audience are very choosy. They want to listen to somebody that they heard before or they know before from friends or from social media. So now for speaker, more important than delivery is how well-known you are on social media or how well-known is your work. Okay, so I like to make up words. And as I was listening to you, I was thinking there's got to be a new word or a way to phrase this type of transition. It's not a new word. It's actually just changing one letter slightly in the word value. Because I keep coming back to value for you. So as a speaker, the value that you have is the valve that you create. So value is V-A-L-U-E. But if you take the U and you just make it skinny into a V, then you have valve, like an actual valve on and off. Open and close. Yeah. So your ability to deliver value as a speaker in this digital world, is your ability to open up the valve and attract an audience to what you're doing. Fantastic, Ryan. I really like it, the valve. So what I do for organization, sometimes they say, how to justify hiring me? I'll say, I will do two posts for you. One post before the event and one post after the event. You are opening up a valve with potentially 2 million people to spill out of it. So I say that whether these people come attend or pay, they will know about your organization. They will know about your event. And there are if a, a few other people in your organization that you want to be known or market, I can help them. I can do a short interview with the founder of your company. Or I can just say that, hey, I'm speaking at this CFA event. So my followers will see and they will attend or they'll buy the tickets. Then after the event, I will say, I just did this event. This is what I spoke about. And those people who attended, they'll comment, right? They'll say, hey, good speech, inspiring speech. I like this. I like that. And guess what? The people who comment, their connection get to see. So there is a ripple effect even after the event. So organizer, to make their money worth, they also want that now. It makes me think of, so in this pandemic, I've been doing some more gardening. So I'm using a hose and watering my plants in my garden. And what I used to do was always go back to the faucet and turn off the valve. And then I'd empty the hose so that there's no pressure in the hose. I don't know whether I've gotten lazy or smarter, but I just now leave the valve open. And so the control is at the sprayer. So I never have to go to the valve to turn it on. There's always water that's available. And so I can't but help but think about your followers and your fans as this potential energy of water that's just like built up under pressure. And if we're shutting off the valve at the valve, then there's just so much more work as opposed to 
opening up the valve and looking at your social media and your email lists and the daily conversations as like a hose that's always on. So you can spray people with water if you need to, but like the best kind of water, maybe because it's hot and it's refreshing. <laughs> that's a very good analogy because it's really me discussing with the organizer and also become very choosy with organizer. I want organizer that can add value to my followers. So I don't want to do with organizer whose team is not in line with mine or ask me to speak on a topic that my followers are not interested in. So I stick very closely to my career theme because my followers, they follow me because they want to do better in their career. They want to know the tips, how to do better in life. So that's what I want to do. So there are people who ask me to talk about investment banking or derivatives. Those I do less now because if I talk about that on social media, it's only a small group of people that will benefit. Okay, I can't help but take this hose analogy and the valve analogy one step further because I do admit, because I leave the valve on for the high pressure, but there's the hose head. It has like the contraption. And so you talked about these different themes or different brands. So when you use the hose, you have the shower function, you have the jet function, you have the mist function, you have the spray, like there's all these varieties. So you actually have control over the value that you deliver based on the valve that you open, based on the theme that the water actually comes out. So your LinkedIn post might be more of a jet because like it's focused and it's there and it's like, I know people are listening. Maybe on Twitter, it's more of a shower because you're like, I'm just going to spray this all over Twitter and some people might get some of the water, right? Yeah, so... LinkedIn is my main one. Sometimes I, of course, do it on Instagram if the organizer is mainly on Instagram. For example, I did one for uh, CFA Bahrain. And in Bahrain, Instagram is the main social media platform. So yeah, I go there, I supported them, but I didn't develop that big a following on Instagram. So that is uh, not the spray. So the Instagram is the mist. Yeah, maybe it's the mist. And, you know, sometimes the water pressure isn't there. If you don't have the following, you got to figure out what to do to build up, especially now, knowing that your value is the audience that you're able to bring. It really puts that much more importance on personal branding and putting yourself out there as somebody who they know. That guy's got a hose that's filled with pressure. He can turn it on or off. He can tweak it accordingly. Like, let's let this guy come and water my audience. <laughs> yes, yes. Because I also got a big following Chinese followers. So that is a different valve. I can turn that on as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different valve. So if I'm looking back on our conversation, I'm finding a lot of value. I'm learning that your visual value, your audio value, your gadget value is directly proportional to the ability for you to not just communicate a message, but communicate a message while still bringing your own audience and creating a certain amount of pressure behind what you're doing. So it's not as much as just showing up, it's about showing up with a party, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So when I teach at the university, I bring my own guest lecturer, my guest speaker, I bring my own teaching assistant and I bring my own live production manager who will be there the whole time and make sure that my gadget 
is functioning. If something goes wrong, he will remind me. He will standing by. And I got my teaching assistant to monitor the chat and the question and answer. Sometime last 10 minutes, I got no more time to look at the chat. I'll just ask my teaching assistant, just give me the top three most frequently asked questions just now in the last one hour. And he'll read out three questions and answer that. Because for you want to bring value, you don't want people to wait online for you to read those questions. And some questions, of course, may be too specific and it may not be appropriate to answer then and then when you only have 10 minutes left. Yeah, and again, time is value. And everybody is very cautious with their time. As you said, they're very picky with their time. And so in order to deliver that value, having a team and having more people than just you to support you on these talks makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. So there is a new profession. If you're hearing it out there right now, there's an opportunity to be a learning assistant for speakers. There's opportunities for live production assistance for speakers. I've even seen and been on workshops where there's dedicated assistants that are monitoring the chat, like you said. So I think one way to grow your speaking business is to be involved in more presentations. And so maybe if you're out there and you're not getting those keynotes and you're not getting those opportunities because they're just not there, maybe there's a chance to reach out to speakers who seem to have traction and see if they need help. Now, Eric, if I was an up and coming speaker, well, I think we're always up and coming. But if I reached out to you and said, hey, Eric, my name's XYZ. I love what you're doing. I'm one of your 2 million fans. Could I add value to you in your presentation? Could I sit in and listen to a few? And then maybe I could help you run the breakout rooms or maybe I could help you with this. Would that come totally out of left field? Or do you think you'd be like, whoa, you're trying to add value to me? I would very much welcome that because I can always use some help. I can get somebody to do my opening first five minutes, do the admin part, right? Hey, ask question in the chat room and then let me introduce Eric. Or can you imagine you coming on and introduce yourself to my students? Hey, I don't know Eric, but I just seen him on LinkedIn and then here I am. He's giving me a chance today. I'm here to introduce him and I'm very glad to have this opportunity. How much atmosphere are you going to build for the speaker just by doing that? In genuine excitement and inclusivity. And- yeah, usually the speaker come and he introduce himself and that's it. Now you got somebody from across the world. And now the, the good thing is you can be anywhere. So I got speakers, I got my teaching assistant, I got my live production manager. They're all from different places. My live production manager is also from California. Right. So here's the deal. Next time you give a big lecture and you need a guest speaker, let me know. Maybe our worlds can collide in that way. I'd love to speak in Singapore, even if it's a guest in your class, just to squirt some water around the world. Yeah, I would very welcome you to my class to listen in and then for my students to hear you. And maybe you can even talk about how to host a podcast. Yeah. And I love this idea of a guest because why not? Like, I really haven't thought about bringing in guest speakers to my presentations, but I think that's a fantastic idea to change it up, to add more value, to bring value to my speaker friends. Maybe they'll want me to be guests on theirs. And like, I think we're seeing this evolution of the way that we're looking at the traditional keynote. And you're a great example of somebody on the front line who's doing it. Because if you do a proper keynote or just a one hour speech, you'll be weird 
to suddenly get somebody else on stage to speak and then to come down from the stage. But I think on Zoom, people welcome that. I mean, they listen to your voice, they see your face all the time for already like one hour or half an hour. They welcome a different voice. And the best part, you can pull in anyone from any part of the world as long as they have Wi-Fi. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go on another analogy or metaphor or makeup word binge here. You said keynote, right? A traditional keynote. It's hard to do that. And you're describing this new type of Zoom keynote. So take the K off, get rid of the Y, and we're seeing this transition from a traditional keynote to an E-note. Hey, I know you want to hire me for a keynote, but I'll give you an (laughs) (laughs) E-note. Make it fun and share the stage. Yeah. And the electronic part allows you to do that. And if I'm talking about an example of banking, and then I said, oh, hold on a second. Hey, Eric from Singapore, I want to bring you in for a minute. And then you're speaking from a spot of authority. That's, you're way cooler than a PowerPoint slide. I'm just going to say, people are cooler than PowerPoints. And it can be five minutes. It can be a panel. So I've done panel, like three, shouldn't go more than three. I ask them my two questions each, then there's 15 minutes. That's a very welcome and appreciated by the participant. So no matter how good you are, they still want to hear somebody else. (laughs) I'd love that. Well, I think that's actually a great note to end on because no matter who you are, no matter how good you are as a speaker, there's always value in incorporating more examples, more stories, more people, more change up to fight that Zoom fatigue and truly create your own version of an e-note. You've got a hose on the wall and think about your value, also including the valve that you can open up to bring value to the organizers. We've changed, we're almost flipping roles. This is a speaker swap nonetheless. Yeah, so you have to attract audience, participant, to come and listen to you, help the organizer. Because organizers are also having difficulty. They cannot charge as much and they may not have the marketing dollars. So as a speaker, we can help them by just be more well-known, just be more active on, on social media and build our own brand. And we can also help each other. Speakers and speakers, we can help each other on social media as well. And I'm going to bring it back to value because what you just said there completely ties in with the value characteristic that I was able to see through your story. And you're basically saying organizers are looking to you as a speaker for value. And the more value that you can provide to the organizers, the more you solve the problem that they have. And the more we're connecting with each other and supporting each other as speakers, the more volume and pressure we can have from shared audiences, shared experiences, and truly reinventing the way that people are consuming information these days. So kudos to you, sir. I'm excited that we got to chat here. And not only do you look good, you sound good. (laughs) And more important than that, I found value from this conversation and it's obvious why organizers continue to spend their money to hire you to deliver value. It's just an exchange of value at the end of the day. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad that the audience out there, you are listening to the very last minute. And if you want to reach out to me, 
My name is Eric Sim. I'm on LinkedIn. Feel free to follow me, send me a message. And um, maybe I will also invite you to be a guest speaker for my guest lecture, or you can invite me to do for you as well. Awesome. Well, hey, you better guarantee that I'm going to get linked in with you right now. And you now have a ginger friend in Long Beach. So, uh, you know, I look at life as a series of dots. And so let's just keep connecting the dots and keep doing what you're doing. I think that we need more, more inspiring people who are willing to be vulnerable, share what's working, share what's not working. And you know what? If we both have a piece of technology and gadget that's still not connected, like that's okay because we are the biggest piece of gadgets possible. All right, buddy. Well, hey, this is great. And if you don't know about Speaker Hub and you don't know about how you can host and showcase yourself as a speaker on this platform to get connected with other speakers, if you have an organization that you want to white label a whole speaker directory from, uh, it sounds like you've been using Speaker Hub. Has it been working for you? Do you like it? Yeah, I got my Bahrain gig last November. So I went there to speak. It was a keynote of 400 people down there. And it was the first time that I've been to Bahrain. I got the best chicken brownie and I met the friendliest group of people. And we remain friends. I met with many of them till today. So there you go. You get your profile up on Speaker Hub and it could land you a gig where you have the best food of your life. I mean, if that's not value, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. My pleasure.